0: who the fuck does this Ezela lad think he is this <laughs> lad so was just running around shaking his hips and mishandling the ball, go to a fucking strip club if that's what you're into the commentators didn't say anything like they needed to go to a strip club they were fucking creaming themselves any time he appeared on camera and did nothing except lose the ball he ran out of play in the halfway line because John Duran slipped behind him
1: Tim Sherwood here, you're listening to The Villa Podcast mm-hmm. So I left while you were sleeping That's all it took and child... Douglas <laughs> Louise was the only one left in the stadium with a cool head His 98th minute penalty had Villa Park falling over themselves And it was infectious because I don't know if you remember name, About 30 seconds later The ball couldn't have bounced more kindly to Matt Cash in space at right back and he lumped that thing as hard as he could, mishit it in, in trying to do so, <laughs> completely sliced it out of play over Unai Emery's head for a Crystal Palace throw-in. And Unai Emery, I don't speak Spanish. I'm not familiar with the dialect of where he's from, but I can only assume by his reaction, by his jumping up and down, by his waving his hands, by his face, it was, what the fuck was that? down play some football and they listened they played some football again and they scored another goal and i had a feeling i had a feeling you know sometimes you think it's never going to happen to you how often have we gone into these injury times no matter how long a spell that 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 flashes up on the board just think what's the point it doesn't matter (laughs) I, i just had a feeling and even even as this game was progressing and it was 1-0 and it was, it was getting deeper and deeper into the match, it was I couldn't shake the feeling of... I've enjoyed myself watching this match. <laughs> maybe maybe my expectations have been firmly lowered, but I, I enjoyed Villa having, having the most of it. I, I recognised that they probably should have been ahead long before they were behind. I recognised that they probably should have scored since then. It was hard to be too down about it all. And then it was just bang, bang, bang. Aston Villa three, Crystal Palace one. Out of nowhere, out of nowhere. Eighty seventh minute, ninety eighth minute, one hundred and first minute. This honestly is the greatest week of my life. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was
0: looking looking pretty hairy there. I mean, what a fortnight of misery I was there, Nandi. Like you watched. Watched Villa lose to Liverpool. Watched Ireland lose to France. Watched my brother lose his freedom and his independence. Watch, <laughs> watch Ireland lose the lead against the Netherlands. But then I watched fucking John Duran lose the fucking rag. Watching that ragtag rabble fucking shitting themselves for about 25 minutes against the worst team I think we've played this year. And a, and a really good sign of a really good footballer is someone who can sit on the bench, watch, observe, sniff out the opponent's weaknesses and the fucking boy from Medlin did that like leaving aside the fact that he looked like he snuffed a line of coke as well with the energy and the chaos <laughs> he brought he just he just looked like he was watching that match thinking what are you doing these lads are shite and he fucking just bullied them like Mitchell Richards Anderson Joel Ward that was the back four like Sure, they they put up as good a defence as Harry Maguire's ma. Like utter garbage. Like, Ju- <laughs> Joel Ward was their right back, and, the, 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 and you're right. The first half, I have never felt more comfortable watching an Aston Villa match. <laughs> moving the ball quick enough, some interesting angles of passing and running, so many almost moments. But but Palace were so fucking submissive. It, it was like it was like watching a forty-five minute interview of Gary Neville talking about Gareth Southgate. <laughs> like, like, so so that's that's why when we when we lost our way so badly after the Palace goal and for the next half an hour it was fucking nauseating. <laughs> a bit like watching a thirty-minute interview of Gary Neville talking about Gareth Southgate. <laughs> there were there were times when it looked like the team had never played with each other, like you know, leaving the ball to one another, getting in each other's way, over hitting and under hitting passes. And when it it started to go wrong, it really went wrong. Palace looked like they had more stomach for the fight. They were hungrier to see out the game than we were to get back into it. But big fucking John was just sitting on the bench with his stomach rumbling. And Jesus Christ, what a turnaround.
1: This boy was incredible. Let's start with Big John. He came on the seventy-first minute, and he was hungry. He was running after everything. Some of the tackles he was putting in. Him and Diaby were tracking back at right back at one stage and doing so brilliantly. They ran Elzy out of play, and he went bombing back up the pitch again. He, he got a shot at the early doors as well, just you know, like sort of similar. He he brought it down and smashed it. Really made Sam Johnson work. And, and and there was a touch that was getting away from him. Was it Matt Cash? who played a ball forward. Jesus, I've never seen athleticism like it. It sort of went under the radar. He just reached out with his left foot and pulled it back. Left it for Bailey. Bailey left it for him. Villa lost the ball. And you know, <laughs> but it was clear geez, this guy is on it. Get the ball to him. And look at Dean got the memo. Look at Dean got the ball to him any which way. Crossed it in that sort of deep cross. Look at Dean likes to pull out, not from the position, but when he, he sort of under hits it a little bit, he, he pulls it to the edge of the box. And John Duran, like the... The touch onto his left foot, the smash, the smash. Like, have you seen a ball struck like that in your whole life? Watch <laughs> it. Mean, the thing is, he sort of pulled it as well. Like, there's that much power. It, it, it's not that he comes across the ball and he slices it into the top corner, into the roof of the net. He's hit it that hard, he's actually pulled it, it's, it's it's coming in towards the keeper but he's hit it that hard and it's that clean a strike that it isn't going anywhere near the keeper, it's just going straight into the roof of the net anyway. It was unbelievable and that, that was us back in the game and that was, like I mentioned at the top of the show, that was Villa Park gone on to another level because of this boy.
0: Yeah, and like, look at Dean, spent the, the second half looking like he'd given up on life, and through the form, he just tossed the ball into the lads, and the, the, the best thing he can say about him was he had watched John Duran's impact in the game, tossed it in there and said, you figure it out, <laughs> and the touch, the touch is immaculate, but he hits the ball so quickly, like, that ball is still rising. It's such a difficult shot to control and fuck me that he control it to generate that power, that accuracy when the ball is just still bouncing off the ground is fucking
1: ridiculous. The technique is unbelievable. Honestly, if I was him, I, I am serious. I'd put this out there now. If I was him, I would be getting that picture of the technique as he's striking the ball, the, 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 how low his body is, his eye on the ball, how straight his leg is. It's perfect. I would be planting that all over my wall. I don't care if people slag Brendan Rogers <laughs> for having a self-portrait of himself. That is unbelievable stuff, what he did. And it was obviously such a big turning point in the match. And, it it, it led to Villa just ramping up the pressure then because Palace were trying to see it out. Palace were trying to see it out at 0-0, let's be honest. And then when they got 1-0 up, they were emboldened to to see it out. But Villa sort of got a smell of blood then. And, I mean, by God, darn England was probably frustrating people a lot during that match. Some of the calls were a bit tight, but sometimes when you look back on them, it was like, he's right there. I would have preferred if he had have given us something, but but he didn't. He is right and in this one, I can't believe that he stuck to his guns after being called across by VAR after knowing that Howard Webb, some point or another over the next month, is going to join Jamie and Gary in the Sky Sports studio and he's going to talk about the mistakes that his colleagues have made. And he went <laughs> over and he looked at this. And the thing is, I had written down, like, in disbelief, no penalty. I assumed that they just weren't going to give it because <laughs> the T-, the T. Richards kicks the ball away. but Richard's kicks the ball away from Watkins because he's fouled him first. Like we can't, we can't say that Watkins wouldn't have kicked that ball before Richards kicked it. He's come across him, he's fouled him, and then he's kicked the ball away. And that—that's the very definition of a foul. If he had it went through the back of him, fouled him first, and kicked the ball away, then Darn England would not have hesitated once. And I have to say, I'm honestly like you know that we would talk about it if we got away with one. I I I I think he has to be commended and he took his time and he looked at it and he realised this isn't a clear and obvious error. This this looks like a foul. I think I was right. And will he get the penalty?
0: Yeah, it's a really good ball from Tielemans in the in the lead update as well. I mean it's it's frustrating that it took until the 94th minute for one of our players to realise that there was more space between those centre halves and between Jordan Pickford's ears. <laughs> and that, what Watkins does well, he's definitely about the score. Sure, we all know Wally Watkins is absolutely <laughs> deadly in those positions, and, and that gives Richards no option but to take him down. <laughs> definitely, definitely goes through Watkins first by getting in front of him and then knocking the ball away, and in England is going to come in for a lot of scrutiny but I I would just I would just like to call for some level heads here I mean being a referee is a really tough job it's it's highly pressured and I think we just all need to take a beat and I I just think it's it's very easy to forget how pressurized the job is and we need to we need to show a <laughs> bit of kindness and remember this is the Premier League as well. This is the top of the sport. So he must be good, Conan. Like There are no bad referees in the biggest <laughs> league in the world. I mean, that's a ridiculous assumption that some people seem to be making. But the most remarkable thing about Darren England is that he ran around that pitch for 90 minutes and not once was he tripped up by his massive balls. <laughs> and, I mean, like the, the, the England, the England cricket team need to find out where he's getting his fucking jock straps because they are sturdy. It was unbelievable. You're absolutely right. It's incredible what he just
1: did. Yeah, uh, like even if you go back to the balls that he had to give a free against Watkins when there was an always shout for a penalty. It was a great tackle. Was it Richards again? Somebody got in Decorey got in and blocked uh, Diaby. Tried to pull it back for Watkins. It was Watkins played at Diaby. He pulled it back to Watkins, and then Decorey got in, in front of him. And then Watkins kicks Anderson or somebody like that coming out through. And he who, who then goes in to Decorey and the ref gives a free out when everyone was looking for a penalty. And I was like, what are you on? And he looked at it back and I was like, Jesus, he's actually right there. Watkins has just tripped somebody now in the process of trying to kick the ball. Tripped somebody who wasn't a- anywhere near the, the action. He was just coming running through. but. Yeah, like, this This referee's brilliant. I've said it from the start of the game. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, in fairness to me, he, he, stood, he stood his ground, he gave the penalty, and Douglas Louise, would you want anybody else over the penalty, outside of Ammar El Ghazi? This is... <laughs> this is becoming... This is becoming an El Ghazi thing, now. I mean, how cool was he? Like, he took, he took a couple of breaths, not too deep. You don't want to give yourself too deep a breath there for a penalty like that. That'll only get too much oxygen flowing around your body. You'll start getting too... Hyped up more than you need to be, just a couple of little puffs, and then the referee blew the whistle. It took another couple of seconds to himself. He let Sam Johnson clap away and he just buried the ball, kept his eyes on Johnson, ran up and struck it cleanly the opposite direction. Douglas Louise is a hero.
0: It's it's a it's a good penalty. I'm surprised Sam Johnson is fooled so easily by Douglas Louise's body shape. I mean, Douglas Louise is definitely making sure Sam Johnson goes to his left. But, geez, Sam Johnson could surely double bluff him there. It was yeah. ridiculous. And Douglas Weiss has his head down as he's striking the ball, which is natural enough. But uh, I don't think... I think Sam Johnson has enough time between Douglas Weiss putting his head down to move to the right as well.
1: Leon Bailey, come on down. This guy, what what a season he's having. <laughs> this is brilliant stuff from Leon Bailey. Comes on, I have to say, I thought he had a good impact on the game. He went on to the right, Diaby went over to the left. And this was just seconds after Emery lost his shit at Madcash. They like got the ball back down. He started playing Telemans again. Great ball down the line with his left foot to Diaby. Just push it in front of that man for God's sake. How much more evidence do we need? That just play the ball in front of Diaby and they'll get it. Like the energy of him. Forget about the pace. It's it's unbelievable. How often players, he's looping out around a lot of times, collecting the first ball, playing it back to someone. And players just give it back to him or they push it in front of him and he has to has to go again. He has to go on another foot race and he always beats the player. Of course he does. And like this guy is going right into the depths of 98 minutes now, running after this ball. This is actually 101 minutes running after this ball. And the composure he has on the end line then, just to not panic, to wait, to look up, to pick out Bailey, Right-footed touch to stop the ball dead. Cut mm-hmm. <laughs> that in there. We know it's going to be magic from there. And Look, I'm not even being sarcastic. I know he was very close in. I know it should be bread and butter from that point. But it did look cool then, slotting it away. He looked like he was going to score. <laughs> and I, I, know, I know he should score, but I was impressed with how assured he was at the fact that he was going to score. And he did. He put the game to bed.
0: Look, once you get it onto his right foot, everybody in the stadium including Leon <laughs> Bailey knows that something magical is going to happen and it's a, it's, it is a lovely ball from Telemans, send Diaby away like we said a couple of weeks ago send, it, send him away, let him figure it out and the calmness and decision making from Diaby is really remarkable for somebody with his array of skills and Physical abilities like his pace and his ability to turn. I mean, he's he's like a shit messy, and I mean that as a compliment. <laughs> like the guy, the guy can can do it all. He, he's brilliant ball playing skills, brilliant pace, brilliant dribbler, and a brilliant mind as well. I mean, to, to pick out Leon Bailey from there to show that level of assuredness in the hundred and fifth minute or whatever it was <laughs> to roll that across right on to the best right foot on the pitch was, was brilliant. <laughs> A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation.
1: The only shame, once again, is that Diaby has been denied a goal. Uh, just, you know, inches. Uh, it's not even inches. It's, it's a hair's width, really, that he that he's offside, and it's it's a great ball from Paulo Torres. The first touch from Diaby is amazing, uh, and it's a right-footed finish, and it's it's so cool. And the thing that annoyed me about this goal, <laughs> I know it's offside, so that should really be the end of the conversation, but. You know, let, let's 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 go with this because at a stage it looked like Villa were going to lose the game. Referees <laughs> and and VARs are happy to determine for themselves if an offside player would really have affected a goalkeeper. To, for those goals, like the ones is is the, is, the, is, the, is, is is Salah and Martinez's eye line, is Watkins in the goalkeeper's eye line? They're happy to make a judgment call themselves for that. Like, why don't they apply that here? I mean, like, the, did Diaby being offside change anything? I don't think it did. I think he was going to get the ball anyway. He actually had to pull back to get the ball. I don't think the defender would have had any more of a chance if Diaby wasn't offside. Just just make that judgment call yourselves if you're going to do that for everything else for offside rules.
0: Yeah, yeah, let's just get rid of VR. Let's just met, let referees just make up their own minds about every single situation. On let let Darlington do it. <laughs> I know he's a remarkable man, kind of, but Darn England can only be in one place at one <laughs> time. And I wouldn't trust any other referee with that level of power, other than Darn England, who is clearly the best referee in the country. But the, the frustrating thing here isn't the inches that he's offside, it's the fact that it's a goal of the season contender. I mean, the ball from Torres is absolutely incredible. The touch is disgusting. I mean, it shouldn't oh. be allowed on daytime TV. And then <laughs> yes. the finish... I mean, my God, like, it's so, so calm. So, like, Sam Johnson doesn't know what's happened. He just rolled it past him. It's that classic thing. It was it the Abbey the score to score the goal? We were saying, why don't you just do that every time you're free on goal? Just place it under <laughs> the corner. It was against Hibernian, wasn't it? From the edge yeah. of the box. Makes it look so easy. And watching it just makes you feel like a fool because you're watching it going, why don't I just roll the ball into the net whenever I'm free one on one with a goal
1: here? <laughs> I'm going to do it more often, I'll tell you that.
0: Well, yeah, but the, the, the thing that actually annoyed me most about that goal being rolled outside then was, or offside, was the next thing that Paddy McCarthy's Crystal Palace did was kick the ball straight out of play from a goal kick. From a goal kick! He just kicked the ball. like The last time I saw a goalkeeper do that, it was the Gibraltar goalkeeper in the Aviva.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd say Sam Johnson's days are numbered, all right. <laughs> the Crystal Palace goal now Dean Henderson is there. Look, I was going to talk about the Crystal Palace goal that put them ahead, but let's leave that for WhatsApp winges. I'm very happy. I'm feeling good. This was an absolutely brilliant day, and we'll see after a quick break. couple of very quick finds to run through first, though, before we get into WhatsApp winges. Kamara tried to put a ball in front of Cash down the right-hand side. It went down for a throw-in. Emmy Martinez had a ball that was rolling right into the box. He could have just stepped back and picked it up, and instead he put his foot through it, hit it out for a throw in. Look at Dean, was the worst of them all. He tried to clear it with his left foot down the left hand side, obviously, and he poked it out with his standing right foot instead, out for a throw in. <laughs> and obviously, Matt Cash's one as well that, that led to Emery's meltdown and injury time, and they were 2 1 up. It was four instances of players knocking. Like, dude, this is too much players hitting the ball out for a throw-in when they're trying to pass it to a teammate.
0: Yeah, especially because we just all watched Sam Johnson do it as well. But I, I had actually wanted to let Matt Cash keep his wages this week because that was the moment that really spurred Aston Villa on to get the third whenever everybody realised, oh, wait, we can just fucking continue to pass the ball around <laughs> instead of being absolute Yeah. Uh,
1: let's do the first Crystal Palace goal, the only Crystal Palace goal as the first WhatsApp winch. And it really is just... Pau Torres was a bit soft there, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> get the goal. I don't know if you remember, but it's just played up to Mateta. Pau Torres just lets him get turned and runs at him too easily. Look at Dean's watching all this happen, by the way. He's no help to Torres at all. He's actually just stopped looking at him. Mateta does get turned. He goes down the line. It's a good early ball from him. It's probably a bit of luck then because Martinez slips, and I don't think Edward would score if Martinez doesn't slip because he's just reaching out for the ball, hits it straight at Martinez, whose bearings are all wrong. He's scrambling across and the ball goes under his legs. It was just, it was a classic, we're going to lose this game to the shittest goal I've ever seen. From, from the shittest good, team we've seen. Yeah, good ball from Mateta. <laughs>
0: yeah, look, Mateta's a big boy, but if you're as slow as Torres and you find yourself in a tussle, five yards inside the opposition half, on the wing, as the centre half, then the move has to end there. <laughs> if, you're, if you're not strong enough to stand them up, then pull them down. If you're not strong enough to pull them down, then make him pick you up get the fucking bridle out and ride him down the wing. You can't just be letting him run through. And to be fair to Mateta, it's a really good, really unexpected ball. I mean, you, you see a centre-forward with that much space in front of them on the wing. You expect him to drive towards goals. And Whenever he played the ball, it actually shocked me a little bit. And it seemed like it shocked Martinez a bit as well, because his footwork obviously mm. wasn't right. And I think I think you are right as well, though. If he doesn't slip, he's going to be right on top of Eduardo he's. Trying to hit that straight at him and he probably would have saved it.
1: Yeah. The second WhatsApp winge I think Zaniolo getting a yellow card for time wasting against a team wanted to time waste could be the worst thing that happens this season.
0: <laughs> Zaniolo's a fucking moron as well because that was so glaring. And Darn England had, well, sorry, I was going to say he had set his stall out. But he didn't book anybody. He didn't book any of the Palace players who were clearly trying to time-waste. He let them drop the ball and take a throw and he let them swap the free-taker a couple of times. But it's just that Zaniolo's is so obvious that he had to book him because he had already given out to people about time-wasting. But yeah, I mean, for a referee as good as Darn England, you know, for somebody with as much nice and as much understanding of the game as, as he clearly has, you would expect you would expect him to understand that Zaniolo's just a little bit frustrating. And that de- frustrated... He's not time wasting. And that definitely didn't cross the cross the bounds into descent, just rolling the ball back towards the the Hordent
1: Yeah. I like Zaniolo. I think he's good. I think he, he could be really good. I think today he'll be all the better for today because I think he was just trying to impress too much. Reminded me a little bit of Darwin Nunes almost. He was just trying to do too much too soon. He needed to just let the game happen. You know, uh, uh, not to really <laughs> lean into being a proper football man. Just just some flicks that didn't need to be there. And, and they were a little bit careless. You know, sometimes they they were lucky enough to reach at Dean. Sometimes it fe- felt like he held on to the ball a bit too long. Sometimes he was a bit selfish just running with the ball when there were players on. I, th- I think he probably will now that his debut's out of the way. Now that it was like the Villa Park debut out of the way. I think in the future he'll probably start playing those balls, especially now after... You know he's got sixty minutes now of an analysis session of, of him playing. <laughs> to sit through now with you and I, am really, like for him to be picking picking the bones off of it. There was one that Diaby was frustrated at. You know, in my head now Diaby's just like at the top of the food chain in Aston Villa, and if I'm you and I, am really, and the frustrated at something, I want to rectify straight away. So yeah, like I, th- I think I'd be all the better for it. just just held onto the ball a bit too long. Maybe, maybe just trying too hard. I'm actually not trying to be too kind to him. I think that's what he was doing he was trying to make an impact too much but he probably could have made a better impact by just playing the simple ball all the time
0: ah definitely i mean nicolas aliola would definitely be a good player for an emery you could see that you can see that he's got all the technical ability that you need and i think you're right all the mental things that he was doing wrong today was because because of that desperation to impress but that never works. <laughs> if you're chasing after a game, it's not gonna it's not gonna work for you. Just do the simple things and wait for the moment for you to be able to do the things you're trying to do to appear. If you try to force it, it won't work. It nearly worked a few times for him because he's, he was able to keep the ball because he's got really quick feet, but then has the power to hold people off and get away from him. But you're right, the flicks were fucking ridiculous. I mean, there was one, there was one little tasty one he played to Luca Dean. Like you know, a, fucking, a seafood with linguine is tasty as well, but you don't have it for breakfast, and you don't play, you don't, you don't try a fucking back heel to Luca dean at left back whenever he's the last man and doesn't have any pace. That was absolutely ridiculous, and he needs to he definitely needs to get that out of his game. And if anything comes out of that sixty minute session,
1: that's what I'm hoping it is. <laughs> he's a, he's a big fella as well. Like there are a couple of balls that went up to his chest, and you're thinking. Jesus, okay, I know what I sound like to you right now, but I was thinking, gee, we could play a couple of balls up to him with his back to goal. <laughs> <And> just...
0: <laughs> I know, you know what you're actually thinking, though, is get Zaniola, Duran and Watkins all up top and let's see what they can fucking do.
1: <laughs> it's like my Stoke City team in FIFA with Crouch and Walters and I used to put Shawcross up alongside them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that at already the last whatsapp wins I have emmy martin is instead of screaming at someone for not being ready for the counter attacking you that one when he catches the ball or he makes a save and he gets up and looks out and I, I, I get that, that that would really piss you off but I would just like to see him pick somebody else and now he's tell them to go and, and then put the ball in front of them. But instead he spends all his time complaining to somebody who hasn't made the run. Find some there, there's ten, there's nine other options. Find them, like put the ball in front of them. Come on, show me something.
0: Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. But there was a there was a weird moment in that game, like the half an hour that I was talking about, where there was really a lack of appreciation of where the lad on the ball could play it. And I think that fed into it as well. A lot of people didn't understand what Emmy Martinez could do, and I can't see I can see his other options, so I, I'm assuming that there was very little on, and he wanted somebody to give themselves there. And and this is something I'm becoming more acutely aware of as I, as I lose a bit of nimbleness, you know, my ability to shift the ball and move me feet, really, really important elements of playing football. But team cohesion is even more important, and being able to spot what another player can do on the ball is really fucking important as well. And I don't think... I don't think our players gave each other enough options on the ball today there were so many times where they were just like you know just give me the ball here he like, can't get it around you like you can't get it around Joe Ward like it's it's <laughs> give, your, give him a different angle make a second run stop standing there looking back at him
1: yeah okay let's take a break and we're going to come back after this <laughs>
0: Got incredible
1: arses. The face on some of those lads, like McNeil, Wood, like Wood looks like a big, <laughs> a big GA midfielder, doesn't he? McGinn
0: will use his arse in every scenario. So he, he actually played a blind arse early on in the first half.
1: does anyone sweat more than rath berkeley (laughs) (laughs) it actually looked like he was going for showers regularly during the game (laughs) what the fuck is wrong with
0: you
1: john walter's arch has
0: never let me down though john mcginns has let me down several occasions this season
1: (laughs) illuminate the main streets and the cinema aisles He was drenched, like absolutely soaking.
0: El Ghazi is too prone to bad runs of form. He had a bit of crack in December, and he was due a bad run. He's too patchy. He's too streaky. And that performance was the equivalent of a streak of shit in the toilets of a fucking
1: bus station into somebody else's bosom. Everybody needs a bosom, everybody needs a bosom. Bosom of possession, I mean. Needs you know, like a, a bosom of possession, I mean. Hello. everybody needs a bosom. have to start with the John Gregory, if I had a gun I would have shot him, quote of the week, Uh, it is back for the first time this season and they're all out in force now after a great victory, a great comeback victory can you believe it, 87 minutes 98 minutes, 101 (laughs) minutes you just never think it's going to happen, but I've got three nominations, Leon Bailey out with a rocky quote, I don't even know if he knows this is a rocky quote on his tweet it's never over until it's over.
0: Yeah, that's that's great. That's the type of stuff that would get you all excited and wet. Definitely. I, th-
1: I absolutely love it. You and I Emery. Classic you and I Emery, just to throw into the mix here. After our goal, we were losing our structure. I think you mentioned this. <laughs> but, but we played with our heart. Just, this makes me think that you and I likes a bit of heartball every so often. He's not all head. <laughs> likes a bit of passion as well.
0: I uh I disagree with it. I don't think we did play with any heart until John Duran was introduced. I, f- I think I think the players had bottled it. I think the players were panicking, they were worried about it, they didn't know what they were gonna do, and they needed somebody with a bit of impetuosity to come on and show them how simple this game is. And I don't mean this sport, I mean that game against that Crystal Palace
1: team. Yeah. This was the thing that, that I was because I, I I was very aware, you know, the crowd were getting frustrated as, as Villa were just passing along the outside. And, and you could you start to put yourself in their heads and, you know, and you're trying to give them the benefit of the doubt as if they're not bottling it. Okay, what are they thinking right now? They're thinking, if we rush it, we lose it. But then, actually, if they had to just taken it one step further, if you lose it, Crystal Palace will give you the ball back straight away. <laughs> 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 they'll, they'll kick it away. They'll kick it out for a throw and They'll give it to Azzi, who might run it on down towards the corner and eventually run out of space. Like, that's... That's their options. You'll eventually get the ball back, so it's worth actually trying to get through them. So, in essence, the crowd are right.
0: Who the fuck does this Eze lad think he is? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you brought him back up. I mean, who the fuck do the commentators think he is? Slap was <laughs> just running around, shaking his hips, and mishandling the ball. <laughs> Go to a fucking strip club if that's what you're into, the fucking commentators. The commentators didn't say like anything needed. to go to a strip club. They were fucking creaming themselves any time he appeared on camera and did nothing except lose the ball. He ran out of play in the halfway line because John Duran slipped behind him. Yeah, John what? Durant
1: slipped. It was enough. It was like that's what John Duran was bringing to the table. <laughs> the last nomination and the winner in my eyes, it's Moussa Diaby. His tweet read. Up the villa until the end, <laughs> until the end. Am I reading too much into this, or is Musidibbe signing up for life as a villain? <laughs> yeah, it, it
0: almost certainly is, Conan. As is, uh, is Douglas Louise holding out the corner flag and pointing at the ABFC. Uh, I mean, that, that, if I if I ever needed to see anything in my life, I didn't realize that was it. But Christ, almighty. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Until the end, let's run through the Rosenthal Award nominations. Ollie Watkins, Ollie <sighs> Watkins gets played through, and it couldn't have been a better ball played through to him by Crystal Palace. The weight on it, the, like the, it was perfectly put in front of him. He doesn't like he doesn't take a touch, and he could have. Not that he needed to. He has the angle. He even has a two on one. <laughs> Diaby's right there, and Jesus, like he just. This is like. This is a Sam Johnson save. Like the, the, all you have to do is look at the shape of Sam Johnson and know that's the save that he makes. They're trying to go across his body, and he drops, puts his big forearm there and stops the ball. Dead. That's Sam Johnson. That's Fraser Forster. That's Joe Hart. That's what they want. They're going to give you that space. They're going to say, go on, please try and put it in that bottom corner. Watch how quickly I can get my big, meaty forearm down to block this. And all Ollie is just hook, line, and sinker, walks straight into it.
0: It really was a perfect free ball as well. Really exploited Anderson. And are better to do that than a Crystal Palace player? They know all his weaknesses. But but like you're right, Dolly Watkins has at least another yard to carry that ball if he wants. And you're saying that Ollie Watkins fell into Ollie Watkins told Johnson what he was going to do, and he yeah. told him from so far out as well. His body, like he was lining up that shot as he was chasing the ball down. It was absolutely ridiculous. Roll it to the, the Abbey, give Johnson the eyes, play it on the other side. Don't give him the one thing he's got on his side gravity.
1: <laughs> Straight after that, Matt Cash had a shot or oh, it was a cross, whatever it was. It was a Matt Cash hit of the ball, just slash that in there towards the goal's box area and it deflected just wide. And then, oh, this didn't look as bad in the replay and the commentators definitely hammed it up and got me on age and I'd say Watkins is getting a bit of abuse for it but it was actually a lovely ball across from Matt Cash and Watkins wasn't in there for it. And it was a great Douglas Louise switch of play out to Cash getting a lot of joy in the right in that first half. A vicious ball across into the corridor of uncertainty. But even though the cool commentator continued to tell us that Watkins stopped his run just look at the replay back. And as much as I wanted to see Watkins stop his run, I don't think he did. I just don't think he made it there in time. Like Maybe the ball just had too much pace and it wasn't played into an area that Watkins could have gotten to.
0: Like, if, do you want to be a centre-forward or not, though, Wally? You know, fucking throw yourself in there. What do you think, Matty Ka- How long have you been playing with Matty Cash? What do you, he's, he's not doing anything with any nuance here. That's getting smashed across the six-yard box. And you need to go zipping in and finish at the back of that net with the ball,
1: preferably. Yeah. And then Cash does the old classic Aston Villa miss hit. Xaniolo does a nutmeg, lovely turn, lovely nutmeg, lovely ball back for Matt Cash. Miss hit, does a Leon Bailey on it and doesn't connect with it at all.
0: Yeah, like Matty Cash, do you want to be a centre forward or not? I know you fucking do, pal. <laughs> but you need to be better than that. And Xaniolo with a nutmeg like he's showing his flashes of brilliance. And then he looks up as well, he picks out his man. And his man fucking misses the ball. Of course he does. The old Aston Villa special. And I'm putting out a call to everyone listening. Ask your non-Aston Villa supporting friends. Do their clubs have at least one air shot a game? Honestly, I need to know. I need a big sample size here. I need you to get in contact with Conan about the answers. But I need you to ask your friends and let us know. Do they watch one player at a minimum on their team miss the ball a game when they're fucking six yards out? (laughs)
1: If Matt Cash did the Bailey, there he did uh, Courtney House. A few minutes later, which is <laughs> got his big fifty p head on it. As a look at Dean Cross, how many assists should look at Dean Hub this season? I think it's five in his last six games. I think that's what it is. And like this one is just put flush onto Matt Cash's head again. Very close to the goals. Very central to the goals. Should score. It's not that he mishit it this time. Well, he did mishit it, but he just hit it completely wrong.
0: Yeah, and a float of ball like that as well. It's dropping. He's got all the time in the world to get that right. But it turns out the last thing he needs is any time to think. Because once he thinks, he can't use his head to do anything else, apparently.
1: <laughs> uh, Martinez made a good tackle with his hands on Ezzy. He was a bit casual for Matt Cash. Letting Ezzie- a bit
0: casual for Matt Cash? <laughs> Talking about Matt Cash not being able to use his head. Matt Cash looks around and sees <laughs> Ezzy and then... Apparently immediately forgets it as he is there and just starts strolling back towards the ball. It was absolutely ridiculous.
1: <laughs> PTSD on a game like this, like, you know it is it's all what what might have been what could have been worse. There was two couple of chances to make a 2-0. None better than Austin McPhee's master plan creating another chance for crystal palace from a corner (laughs) was was this their only corner it might have been it's a free header for anderson nine yards out it's a free header for joel ward from the follow-up header five yards out and like it's not even a free header he could have done whatever he wanted could have taken a touch he could have volleyed it in he went with his head he went down his knees and tried to head it and he headed it wide it's a horrible miss that should be 2-0 game over
0: I think it was their third corner because I was keeping an eye on it, obviously. And uh, we didn't, I, I was right, we didn't head the ball in the box once from any of the corners. Why would we do that? And the weirdest thing about this is the commentators couldn't believe that Jewel Ward misses. I mean, what a surprise that Joe Ward does something shite. Like, were they expecting him to knock that into the net? Are you fucking mental? Is they just revealing themselves to have never watched a game of football in their lives? Oh, Joe Ward's not going to miss from inside the box, is he?
1: <laughs> I don't know enough about Joe Ward to follow up on this conversation. But that's why you, he's a Premier League footballer. You don't know enough about him. Yeah. What does that tell you about him? Every fucking thing you need to know. It falls into the Damien Delaney character for me as well. It's just like, yeah, it's just you know, one of those players knocking around for Crystal Palace. He's a 33 year old who's
0: somebody who's obsessed with football, doesn't know enough about, even though he's been playing in the Premier League.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. Speaking of being surprised the players are still playing, Will Hughes got a couple of blocks. Ollie Watkins and Leon Bailey had chances, sort of ball falling back to them, probably could have. Well Bailey did try to show a bit of composure and then still lashed it anyway to a load of bodies and Will Hughes is there again for, for the block. Comes back out to Watkins for a third chance and I mean, let's be honest, he probably never struck a ball as well in his life. He's actually lifted a lovely little a lovely little chip and curter over everyone in off the post and hits off Sam Johnson's head and, and just white.
0: Yeah, there was there was one before that as well where Watkins tries a back header that he should really be leaving for John McInn, but you know center forwards who haven't scored in five games are a very dangerous animal for their own fucking team apparently. <laughs> so Ollie Watkins tries to lob the keeper as he's falling on his arse, absolutely ridiculous. But the next one is such a good effort; it's so unexpected. Like nobody on the on the pitch was expecting that, especially because the preceding mess was such a fucking load of nonsense (laughs) that you couldn't have expected such a moment of quality to be pulled out. That and then Per Sam Johnson, of course, pulls his hamstring because the ball hits him in the back (laughs) of the head. Like, are are we serious about time wasted or not here? Mm -hmm. Like, we know he hasn't pulled his hamstring. And as soon as he gets back up and stays on the pitch, get him off. A fucking physio coming over and pouring water on your leg and rubbing you doesn't fucking put your torn hamstring back together. (laughs) And I expect someone with the ability and the intelligence of darn England to have known (laughs) that.
1: The only other nomination I have is... Demi Martinez save on Ezzy, uh, the chip that was about to go in. I thought it was a great save. Commentators thought he got lucky. I don't know what. They- <laughs> 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 he's just stopped a certain goal like that. that shot from Ezzy, that chip problem was going in, and Martinez as somehow he, do, he does this sometimes where you think like, he's not that tall, his arms aren't that long, but he always seems to be able to step back and he's just got great dimensions. I always talk about Emmy Martínez in 3D, as if all our keepers aren't in 3D, but <laughs> just the way he manages to save that, great reactions, and I don't know how he gets his hand up there when he does, but he does, and he stops, again, he stops the, the game being out of touch.
0: Absolutely. It's an, it's an incredible save, Emmy Martínez is a massive man, but he just seems to make himself look even bigger in situations like that, and I was having a bit of fun there with Ezzy because he is shite, or was shite today, rather, he's definitely not shite, but the the finish from him is not that bad, but it's, it's Martinez is in complete control of it, I mean, he has dictated what is happening there, and as he doesn't seem to understand that, Martinez wants him to try to lob him, and then as soon as he does, he just puts his big paw up
1: and plucks it up yeah. this guy. I don't think there's any beaten Ollie Watkins being put through one on one by a Crystal Palace defender, the Wizard.
0: Absolutely not.
1: Jesus, you can't, as much as I, every season of the Villa podcast, we have an Ollie Watkins conversation and we talk about what he gives you even when he doesn't score. I mean, like you're not going to get a better chance there to go and put a, like, you've been put through by a Crystal Palace defender, go and put it away for God's sake. Anyway, I still didn't take him out of my fantasy team. The Tim Sherwood, we played two number 10s and bamboozled them award. I mean, we have to give a lot of credit for the subs that came on and changed the match, namely John Duran and Leon Bailey. We made the changes and we went for it as well. We took John McGinn off, actually, for John Duran and yeah, paid dividends.
0: It absolutely did. Because the subs were the subs were perfect at the perfect time. Leander and Donker was a bit strange. I mean, I would have rather played John Duran centre midfield and see Leander Donker try to see out that win. <laughs> but no, the subs were brilliant. They injected the energy. You're right. I didn't come back to it, but Leon Bailey was brilliant when he came on. He was playing like the Abbey. He was doing so many good things. He was spraying the ball. He was playing little passes around the corner. He was dribbling correctly. He scored a goal. Like he was, he was absolutely brilliant when he came on. As was John Duran. But I think I've touched on him already.
1: Yeah, I like the switch to the back four, like Matt Matt Cash. And look at them. We're still getting a lot of joy going forward. It's just playing the team in front of you. We don't need to play three centre backs to get our. Our wing-backs away as such. They can still play as wing-backs against Crystal Palace. You're all just sitting in deep. So, yeah, I think making that change, and obviously we still created a load of chances from it that we should have been ahead before Crystal Palace scored, I think that also deserves a nomination.
0: Definitely. I mean, and we're going to have to come back to this, con- but the co-commentator sounded yeah. personally offended that Longley wasn't playing. Like, you know... <laughs> the, the, they need, he was saying they need to get Cash further up as Cash was running absolute riot.
1: It was like he was using Cash's running riot as evidence as why he should be pushed further forward. Yeah,
0: exactly. And it's, it's almost like Emery, like you said, has seen Palace play before. Like Cash was going to have the opportunity to get as far forward as he wanted there all game. And that just, we didn't have a third centre half sitting around at the back like a fucking Ireland team for no reason at all. It, it was almost like he had Longley and Cash in his fantasy football team, but we're not going to go into that
1: conversation. <laughs> <laughs> there, like, you have reminded me though of seeing bobacar kamara a couple of times sitting beside the two center halves and me thinking do we need a third person back there do you know are you getting a couple of handy balls here that we don't i am sure that it, we were told to have a bit of structure there if if cash and dean are away, we need a third person dropping back but just yeah, come on Bobakar, let's let's receive a few more daring balls than, than this because you're not you're not helping us break the lines here and i know you can take the ball anywhere but not today obviously
0: i think i think a large part of the problem there was and it's so easy to drift into it where the other opposition are so deep the center halves even ones who can play football as well as Kanza and particularly torres are waddling on the ball you make so many runs you know five-yard shuttles just to get the ball off them and you're not getting it and then you just drift back and take it off them because you can't help it. And you also think, if they're going to just stand in the ball, I might as well just go back and take it and do something with it. Yeah, I think that was actually the big problem. And I thought Boba Carcomar was absolutely brilliant in that first half. I mean, Jesus Christ. He was smelling every opportunity when the ball was played into Hughes' feet, for example, just to go and get it. He's absolutely relentless and he... He's got such good judgment about when to go and take the ball off somebody. He knows, like you know, that classic shout of "honest, get on his touch, get on his touch." Jesus Christ, does he judge that well? He can just see somebody with their back in trouble, not a great ball. They might have to be stretching for it, and fucking boom, he is on their toes to get the ball off him. And he just he turned over a lot of ball in that first half.
1: We have a lot of players, and this was actually a nomination in this category as well. We have a lot of players who nick the ball back or just get a toe in. And a lot of the time it's after we give it away too. So it's very satisfying. John McGinn will just, just stick the foot in and get it back, Kamara. Matt Cash does it against weaker teams all the time. Like he just always just seems like as players are standing the ball up, he'll just take it off them and run forward again. And it's, it's just, it, it always comes seconds after you've been like, for fuck's sake, you know, somebody's played a sloppy pass, taken a really bad touch. You know, there's been a run that's that's not been communicated properly in the past to go in different direction, and then somebody in the villa team. There's a lot of them. They can nick it in front as as pals are trying to play backward, or they'll just strip a player off the ball. it's Actually, very satisfying to watch sometimes.
0: It's incredible. The amount of times we did it as well is obviously helped by the fact that we're playing against Crystal Palace. Yeah. But I think we've just got a really good, a really good profile of player to be able to do that, and a really. Progressive manager who wants to do that who condenses the pitch and then it's almost like he's picked the players that he wants to play in that system so that they're able to go back in and do it. And you said this at the start as well. That's why it was frustrating when we were dicking around with the ball for that half an hour. Just play it forward, try something, we'll win it back again.
1: Yeah. The last award category is the Paul Merson. Oh, that was filthy award. And it goes to, not Niccolò Zaniolo, who was obviously trying to win this award, this is what he was thinking all day today, but it goes to Leon Bailey for the laces half volley, just gets his laces through it, half volleys it around the right back spot, puts it right in front of Ollie Watkins to just stride into. That pass was beautiful from Leon Bailey.
0: It was absolutely incredible, yeah. And that was particularly what I was thinking about whenever... Whenever I mentioned Leon Bailey having a really complete performance today, it was that pass that was running through my mind as I was speaking. It was it was brilliant. The vision of it, the execution of it. And whenever I saw him lining it up, I was like, oh, and then he just pulls it off so immaculately. It was incredible. Another nomination though has to be Douglas Louise, a little flick over the head of yeah. DeCorey on the halfway line, and then the most obvious yellow card you'll ever see, not given by the best referee in the world, which was <laughs> definitely, definitely surprising. Um, but that was just ridiculous. It was it was embarrassing for Crystal Palace, how easy it was for Douglas Louise. And like he disguised it quite well, but to be able to do that on the halfway line against a team that is sitting in so deep is is ridiculous, and then for Douglas Luiz, just to power past them as well was
1: incredible. Yeah, that was the other thing, that, not to go back to this point, but you mentioned Kanza and Pau Torres, and it was like, Pal's were sitting so deep, but it's like, right, okay, this is why we have these two boys, come on, let's, Kamara, you push up, you two boys push further forward, come on, let's, let's go, let let's go, let's just do something on the ball, and I know Torres did open the whole game up at one stage to put the happy three, but yeah, just maybe just wanted to see those two commit a few players. Because like, the, the Palace forwards were about fifteen meters away from them at all times.
0: Yeah, but that's why that's why the, the pass wasn't on as well. And you're saying you wanted us to do that. That's definitely what Palace wanted us to do as well, because they do have a lot of energy in and around there, especially when they had their two centre forwards sitting so close to their midfield as well. If they if they do win that ball, then it is potentially dangerous. Yeah, but then again they probably just wouldn't run out of play with the ball to
1: <laughs> okay let's do the Weimann meter going up I have Matt Cash going up do you disagree with that? I thought he was a bit
0: erratic to be honest that I, th- I? I don't think in defence he was particularly strong either and he had the the worst moment of the match as well with that slice volley out of play when he was in 10 yards of space and we would just done so well to win the ball back
1: this is the intangible nature of the Andy Weimann meter though I <laughs> he was erratic he did do some things wrong and
0: <laughs> that still, sounds like I'm describing Andy <laughs> Andy
1: <laughs> I still like his performance in attack and defense I like the amount of ball he nicked back I like i was gonna say I like the way he got I liked the way he got forward I don't know how much I like of what he did when he was forward I mean there was a couple of times there where he was trying to twist and turn away from the fullback and It just looked a bit clumsy. (laughs) It looked like you're you're watching your child trying to take the ball around you and you're just like, "Ah," eventually you're going to have to move out of the way to let them pass. You know, (laughs) wasn't wasn't any bother for the Palace defence watching Matt Cash pretending to go onto his left foot. You know, they just stood back and waited for him to try to go back onto his right. But in saying that, I think he's going up this
0: week. But like a couple of times, he did try to pretend he was going on his left, and then his the ball was so caught under his feet that he ended up just having to go on to his left because he couldn't <laughs> shift it back out. Yeah, you can put him up if you want, Paul. <laughs> Konza does Konza go up? Konza was brilliant. Konza was so good today. It was again. It was it was similar to the Liverpool performance, except we weren't playing against Salah, Diaz, and Nunez <laughs> up top. <laughs> where he was just putting out so many fires. And he was so comfortable in defence. It was it was brilliant. Um, there was one definitely what the fuck moment where Cash plays the plays a free ball. Oh yeah, um, plays free ball to Edward, and Conza does really well to catch up with him and then to keep up with him, and he. He gets the ball back, kind of loses it again, but then in the end, he does win it. Just as Edward is shooting, because his foot is just there, he's blocked it. He's read that Edward's trying to put it into the far corner, and he blocks it down. with his left foot, and that was just emblematic of Khan's defensive strength today. Yeah, for
1: him, for him to not foil Edward in that position deserves him going up, uh, on its own. It was to like... not
0: to not foil him and to, to put Edward under so much pressure at the same time. Yeah. It was yeah. Great.
1: Uh, going up Douglas Louise, and we sort of already talked about him but like, this guy is unbelievable, I think the stat was going around, it was 36 games in a row now as well, they they, they did mention in fairness to him on commentary that he's never injured and it's one of those things you almost take for granted then because he is just there the whole time, he's such a mainstay such a good player, he's such a big player he really is the, the heartbeat for Villa right now.
0: Ah definitely, he's one, one of the best centre midfielders in the league and his He's really come on in his defensive game as well. Just his understanding of space is so strong now that it does give him that ability to to win the ball back without having to put in a tackle. And putting in a tackle is definitely the last thing that we want. Douglas Louise you have <laughs> flashbacks of his early days at Aston Villa just chasing back behind people and just clipping their ankles knowingly at the age of the tee. It's like, doggy, no! What are you doing?
1: <laughs> Can we... In good conscience, put Luca Dean up on the Weiman meter, knowing that he took a throw-in and threw it straight to a Palace player, trying to find John Duran.
0: Oh, sorry, do you think that was the worst thing that Luka Dean did today? What was the you, worst? Are you forgetting about his free kick straight to Edward's feet? <laughs> oh, <yeah>. I, <laughs> mean, you mean, mean, I mean, I
1: mean... it's a throw-in.
0: <laughs> it a 40-yard free kick lined up to be floated into the box i mean i know at this stage if you're aston villa journey you're probably willing to believe that this was a routine that austin McPhee was working on the routine is probably still going on in austin mcphee's head he's got this plan for the next day out like the next team's going to think we're going to roll the ball to their one-man wall 40 yards out, but he's going to actually cross the ball into the fucking box next time it was absolutely ridiculous and because of those two instances Look at Dean cannot go up.
1: <laughs> the only person I have going down this week, and it's a testament to how highly he was going up. At the start of the season is John again. Didn't think he was good. Uh, he was tripping over the ball a lot. But at one stage, at one stage he actually tripped over the ball because he stuck his arse out and no one bars into it, <laughs> and and he got confused and he was ready. He wanted the contact. And he just fell over in the absence of the contact. And that was a what-the-fuck moment as well. Palace went pissing through. It wasn't as quite as bad as the the Matt Cash three-ball to Edward. But he just gave the ball away at sentiment field. It was like Villa two years ago all over again. Just just sentiment fielders falling over. And the opposition streaming through the middle. That was, a, that was PTSD seeing all that over again. But not, not a great day at the office for jumping in.
0: No, it definitely wasn't. And this brings me on to the next person going down on the vitamin meter is the co-commentator. Because the (laughs) co-commentator was so shocked. And at the bravery of taking off, John McGinn, he was playing shite. And we just brought on John Duran. It's grand. Look, at, we, we can easily lose John McGinn from this team, from this performance. Yeah. But Jesus Christ, that co-commentator. I have rarely heard someone so beholden to everything he saw. He saw one thing, and that was it. Like, you know, he started creating fairy tales. It was, it was adorable childlike wonder and naivety almost. You know, he... He saw he saw Will Hughes win his first tackle in the seventy fifth minute, and then he constructed this story about how he had dominated the game in the middle, just because Palace were one 0 up before he, he had to justify it somehow. Like that's that's like finding out you have crabs and then praising the louse for your sexual performance. <laughs> Bit of a weird children's story, I grant you that, but like <laughs> yeah, it, it was definitely there. But the louse wasn't involved. Like he he didn't have a threesome with the person he met in the bar and the louse. It was just there in the background, irritating me. Much like Will Hughes was today, but this cool commentator because Crystal Palace were in the lead and he saw one tackle get in, he just imagined he imagined that Will Hughes had been doing this all game. It was ridiculous. But then whenever Villa got the game back into control when they went 2-1 up, he was sort of feeling sorry for Palace. Their game plan was working perfectly, he told us. Was it? Like, yeah. was, was the Palace game plan to get fucking battered? Is that actually what they were going for? To have a third of the ball, less than a third of the chances, no big chances apart from Ezra's shot and the goal that they got. What the fuck game was this lad watching? The perfect away performance. What Villa had six glaring opportunities in the first half. One that was ruled out for being an inch offside, and one that we didn't score because Matt Cash swung his ball, swung his foot an inch over the ball. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ollie Watkins one was an already glaring opportunity in that first half as well the, the the everybody else I think is going up like Watkins could probably go down um, but I don't know I don't think it's, it's in the Andy Vyman nature I think he's still got the penalty he's still plugged away I don't know man I know you'd accuse me of being too much of a Watkins fanboy to, to not put him down maybe he has to go down every time he misses a one on one he goes down I suppose <laughs>
0: And like the one on one was a it was a big chance, but yeah, he gave he gave us a classic Ollie Watkins performance as well. Because despite how deep uh, Palace were, we still get him behind quite a lot with Ollie Watkins and Diaby's running power as well. And like he ran all day, won the penalty, threw himself around. Like yeah, it, it would be odd to put him down on the Andreas Weimann meter for that performance.
1: Mm. Yuri Tilleman's going up, most of Diaby going up, like. I've said it before. People probably think I'm I'm just you know getting carried away. This boy could be one of the best players in the world. Like I I mean like he might actually be one of the best players in the world right now. I don't mean he, he could be one day. Um and you know I'm probably just saying it enough times now that you know when he actually is confirmed one of the best players in the world, I can say well I, t- I told you that last year.
0: <laughs> and the night before your wedding, Colin, we met a, a lad who, who watches the Bundesliga every week. And whenever I mentioned Diaby was our favorite or was our best player because he, he didn't know very many Aston Villa players, he immediately said, he will not be there for very long because he had seen him play so often. I, I was equally annoyed and delighted at that <laughs> reaction, to be honest. The dismissive nature of the fact that Aston Villa would be able to keep a player like that, but also the recognition of how good a player he is was heartwarming and yet infuriating
1: cautionary tale for Moussa Diaby and that guy is that they also told the sister about Steven Gerrard they said he was going to Liverpool he was going to be be Jurgen club's manager and we consoled ourselves with well that would mean that he had done a hell of a job at Aston Villa if he was going on to the Liverpool job so let's just all remember that (laughs) questions we can't answer but probably will nine words and a headline that could be your worst nightmare Liam. Steve Bruce now favoured to become next Ireland manager <laughs> I just want I just want a reprieve from all the misery
0: uh, yeah and look I, I wanted Kennedy to work out because
1: because he was the first Stephen Kennedy for anybody who doesn't know the Ireland <laughs> I wanted the
0: Irish manager that we currently have to work out. Not not just because he's the Ireland manager, but because he's, he was the first Irish manager that said out loud that it was his opinion that two Irish men could pass a football to each other. Like, that's how grim things were as an Irish man and an Irish fan. I mean, this, this was a moment in my life that if my story was ever depicted in a graphic novel there there will be an image of me sitting in a darkened room lit only by the tv screen rubbing my security blanket looking back in wonder at this fucking interview that stephen kenny gave i mean i was a fully grown man word weary adult at that time but you know it filled <laughs> me with such childlike innocence that an ireland manager would dare to dream that two irish men could pass the ball to each other but Winning five out of 26 competitive games is bad. And when you consider that the other 21 games that we didn't win consisted of games against Bulgaria, Finland, Wales all twice, Slovakia, Luxembourg, Azerbaijan, Armenia, Ukraine twice, maybe Scotland. Mm. Yeah, Scotland, we didn't beat Scotland, didn't, didn't beat Greece. It's really bad then. And we don't have good players. I mean, there were other games against Portugal, France, Serbia, and Netherlands that we didn't win as well. And with this current crop, if we got results or got wins against those teams, you would need another panel in the graphic novel of me sitting there looking and wonder at the TV screen. But we should have been able to win a few of those other 10 or 15 fixtures that I just ran out. And to Steve and Kenny, it's a big thanks for convincing our players to pass the ball to each other and for bringing through the likes of Chidozie Ogbeni and for not playing Cyrus Christie in midfield. But it's not going to work out. And the worst thing that could possibly happen now is that Steve Bruce... Can't, Steve Bruce can't even... Gar- I can't even guarantee you that Steve Bruce won't play Cyrus Christie in midfield.
1: Jesus, That's no. He'd he be, he be fetching him out of retirement from wherever he is right now to do that.
0: Well, exactly. And I, and I don't want his ma to have a go at me like the mother of someone else who used to be considered a centre-half. But there is a reason Steve Bruce had a cabbage thrown at him. And that was fucking five years ago. <laughs> That was five years ago. He hasn't evolved as a technician since then, Conan. And the only, the only shining light here is that two rows in front of me in the Aviva, there are three lads who sound like they got into football around the same time the Klopp took over Liverpool, paid attention for about a week, and then just stopped listening to any other, any other piece of analysis around football because the only things that they understand how to say is press, press, under <laughs> any circumstance, they will insist that Shane Duffy pushes up. That's what they want from their lives as football fans. And I was starting to feel guilty about the fact that I was considering not renewing my season ticket just because of these three fucking plonkers. But now I'm thinking, Jesus, well, uh, they can have it. They can have watching Steve Bruce. I am fucking happy to not get my season ticket in the Viva Stadium now. <laughs>
1: And that is one of the things that people probably don't put enough credence into. Ireland, even though they're not getting a lot of wins, they're still selling out the stadium on a lot of occasions. Definitely more so than Mick McCarthy and Martin O'Neill and Trape were doing. And just, you know, it's always depressing to think that the argument has to be or the choice has to be Stephen Kenny, somebody who says we can play football, or Steve Bruce. We too. <laughs> say what like that he's the complete opposite so it's it the, the, the doesn't have to be one or the other and it's not to say that the other works, you like and I always have this conversation, Ireland generally they're, 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 their default is not to qualify for competitions whoever the manager is, it's like the Bayern manager like we talked about before whoever the manager is should win the double whoever the Ireland manager is shouldn't qualify for whatever <laughs> it's very rare to do I think it's six major tournaments in their entire history that they qualified for World Cups and Euros so you know it's a really weird bar that that suddenly gets get gets held above somewhat like when 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 the media decided that they don't like a manager then they start looking into these things and then they start making laughable suggestions. Steve Bruce is now the one to suddenly to suddenly turn this team that that, that most people watching football certainly most people listening to this podcast wouldn't know most of the players the Ireland. Team to suddenly turn them into a team that should be qualifying for a major competition ahead of netherlands and france over a 10 game group
0: yeah and, and like the next the next uh competition that we're going to be trying to qualify for is the world cup do these people genuinely believe that steve bruce can elevate this ireland team into the top 13 teams in europe That's not going to happen. And he is going to be so short-termist, so stopgap that it is absolutely ridiculous the idea that we would get in someone like Steve Bruce. We have to get in someone like Stephen Kenny who can look to the future but also win some fucking games against Finland and Bulgaria. Get someone like him in. Use the World Cup to build the team that he wants to use to qualify for a competition that we can qualify. The one where half the teams in Europe get into it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's enough for today. We've had a good day today and we're going to enjoy it. We're back on Thursday. Liam, it's a 5.45 kickoff. just in case you get caught with that. I'm, I'm,
0: I'm, just, I'm just interested by the fact that you say we're going to enjoy it, just immediately after you brought up the fact that Steve Bruce was the favourite for the Ireland management.
1: <laughs> just enjoy it not being an international break. We used to cry out for international breaks. <laughs> Why, look at us crying out for more Diaby ball, crying out for more heartball ball from you and I, Emery. <laughs> We're going to leave it there. Thanks a million for listening again. Share it on and all the rest, and we'll see you on Thursday. Good to be back. Planning
0: for your next trip?